Paranormal Truth and Reality with host Chris Houston. A show for those with a passion for the paranormal. And now, welcome to the show. Welcome to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm your host, Christopher Houston, and we have an open forum tonight so that I can update people on a lot of issues throughout the paranormal, as well as what we're going to be doing here in the next, oh gosh, 30 to 90 days or so. Some of the upcoming guests um, with slight mentions and a few other things that are going on throughout the night. I do encourage callers, if you're listening, call in. We do have the posted number available on BBS Radio. Um, on their main station, and I do believe real quickly so that you have that, it's one 429 We also have a USA and Canada direct number at 323-744-841. I'm actually going to start this off with a bit of a sad note this evening, but something that we do need to discuss a little bit when it comes to the paranormal community. Early last night, April 2019, an icon in the paranormal community, Ms. Lorraine Warren, passed away and to her family i wish the best of everything and of course obviously i will keep it at that her family has requested to stay silent during this period in time and contacting them so that they can grieve their loving mother and family member just so everybody knows lorraine warren was born on january 31st of 1927 in bridgeport connecticut usa lorraine rita warren was her full name uh, she's known for her work in the conjuring in 2013 the conjuring 2 in 2016 the haunting or the haunted in 1991 she was previously married to ed warren edward warren Miney, who was born in september 7th of 1926 and died august 23rd of 2006 and Lorraine herself, born on January 31st of 1927, were artists of America's paranormal. They were artists, America's paranormal investigators, and authors associated with prominent cases and hauntings across the United States, Europe, and several other countries. Edward himself was a World War II U.S. Navy veteran who became noted in the community for retagging the term demonology into demonologist. He was also an author and a lecturer along with his wife, Lorraine, who was a professed clairvoyant throughout many, many years as they worked closely with cases over a 20-year period span, a little over 20 years. In 1952, the Warrens founded the New England Society of Psychic Research, which is the oldest ghost hunting group in New England and one of the oldest ghost hunting groups across the United States as well. Shortly after that, the Warrens opened up the Occult Museum, which became very famous for haunted dolls and haunted objects for many, many years. They were authors of numerous books about the paranormal and their private investigations into various reports of paranormal activity. Uh, they claimed investigations of over 10,000 cases, give or take, during their career, and the Warrens were among the very first to investigate the controversial Amityville House. With that said, Lorraine was known for admiration or paranormal perspectives, and the teaching across the paranormal community of beliefs that are going on today throughout that community. It's with great respect that I say, Lorraine, rest in peace. We were glad to have you as a part of the community. I know a lot of people have controversial views on what you did and did not do, but nevertheless, as somebody that met you once himself, I certainly, certainly appreciated that moment. And God rest your soul. Hopefully you'll communicate with us on the other side. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice here a little bit tonight, guys, so I do apologize for that if you run into any situations. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm losing my voice here. 
On to other particular subjects. Paranormal Truth and Reality is actually going to be out and about um, here. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to be visiting our first one. is going to be here in May. I'm actually going to be showing off a couple of people's work with some uh, cameras, some laser lights. We're going to be showcasing some of our artwork on shirts for comedy reasons and for other things. The radio station WCGT will be broadcasting live. And Friday, we will actually be broadcasting BBS Radio from the Ohio State Reformatory, if everything goes right, so that we can do it live and hopefully get a couple interviews with a few stars. So I do encourage you to come up. It's May 5th, 6th, and 7th, I do believe, the first weekend of May. We're going to be there all three days throughout the ghost hunts and a lot of other adventures. Of course, I won't be participating in a lot of the ghost hunts. There's a couple of celebrities I'll be tagging along with. But um, I'm going to be a guest as well on those hunts and leave it up to them because it's an amazing situation. Going into uh, what I like to call, let's just be honest. <laughs> a lot of things have been going about the paranormal community in the past six to seven months. One of the more drastic things that continues to appear that I'm going to address today is what's called the term expert. Now, I know those of you listening that are investigators and those of you not listening have your own opinions on it, but I'm just going to be frankly honest here. And let's just be honest with ourselves. You grew up in a school where you had to learn from a professional. That professional taught you how to read. That professional taught you how to write. That professional taught you gym. That professional taught you history. You went on to college education or course education, or you went on to a job where a professional taught you your job. You eventually advanced to that situation to become a professional yourself if you were smart at what you were doing. What are those professionals? Well-educated people in every single realm. Now, here's the reality. Nobody's ever going to be an expert in anything that they haven't learned. And this is just the way it is. For instance, I work in several different areas, journalism, history and research, and I have a marketing background. I am very well-versed in all three of those, as most of you know, if you've ever read any of my articles, been to any of my lectures and so forth. Now, that does not mean that I'm an extreme professional in anything else outside of the fact that I do have a base understanding that I've advanced throughout the years in electronics and audio engineering because of my original background. Now, if I'm going into quantum physics, if I'm going into photography, if I'm going into something else, well, I defer that to people that have more experience than I do. There's a reason for this. It's called professionals working together. Any of you out there that seem to think that there are no professionals in the paranormal, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. This is just the way it works. Any real community working around in the situations are going to tell you that the only way professionals come to conclusions, work on logical studies, even when we disagree, is to work together. And that means deferring our education to other people when necessary. And when we don't know something, asking them the questions so that they can actually answer those and work together to solve the problems and collect the data involved. This is the reality of how real paranormal study and real paranormal situations work. Now, with that said, I do understand that everybody is concerned because 99.9% .9 of the people in the community don't have college educations. They work regular jobs and they're jumping into it for passion. Hey, you know what? I appreciate all that, guys. I do. You're amazing people when you do that. But be honest with yourself. The only way you're going to actually educate yourself and advance in the paranormal is relatively simple. And that is defer your understanding to other people that you know more about and be willing to shut up and listen to the people that know more than you. And it is that frank. Now, that sounds very, very blunt, but that's the way the real world works. This is how we all learn. 
eventually the goal is you learn from that individual and then you exceed higher expectations, becoming smarter than that individual. And now you're the professional that that guy is going to. And I assure you, there are many of you out there, many, many of you that started very early on. And within five to six years, guess what? Who's asking you questions? Well, you know, I've been in research and history and audio engineering and a bunch of things for gosh, almost 25 years. And I can guarantee you, I'm raising my hand going, hey, I got a question for you because you're obviously smarter than me. This is the way it all works. As long as you understand that, the community works great together. And there are wonderful people in community. In fact, I have met some amazing people over a 25-year basis and over five to seven years of going through these conventions that are absolutely outstanding. And most of the time, we work together on a regular basis to get those things done. So here's a thought. Let's just stop griping about the term expert and who's smarter than somebody else. Because reality is, face the facts, everyone, somebody's always going to be smarter than you, including myself, by the way, because there are dozens of you out there that think of something, do something, work on something, or have an education in something that I know absolutely nothing about. And I'm a book. I soak it up. I don't care. If you've had five years of experience in that field, if I've had no years of experience in that field, the first thing I do is start picking your brain so that I can understand the problem. This is what's going wrong. You guys are not picking each other's brains. You're picking each other apart. There's really no sense in that because that's not real paranormal study. Let's move on to a few other things so that we can address these. And I know I've talked about them multiple times on shows, um, but this is another reality. So let's just be honest. We're talking about paranormal equipment these days, and I've had some wonderful educational talks with many, many people, including what people like to call ITC. Now, as you will learn from reading my books, that's linked to Real History, by the way, that's coming out here. In fact, one of them is delayed because they're reworking the cover right now, but it should be out here within um, early next month, I do believe they're releasing it, which is the first volume. <coughs> Excuse me. The second volume will be coming out at the end of this year. The third volume will be coming out at the beginning or middle of next year and so forth. There's four volumes involved. I encourage you to read all four of them. But let's get back on the, on the topic. ITC, uh, and I won't get into in-depth conversation on what it means, is a made-up word. It is that simple. It was designed because somebody wanted to combine several different types of audio engineering and video engineering to resolve a situation with audio signal and variable signals. Now, when I mean variable signals, without getting into a lot of technical information here, basically every single audio variable and video variable carries a signal wavelength. All wavelengths are on different patterns and different levels. Now, some of these wavelengths are registered, meaning that I'm broadcasting on a wavelength right now. When I broadcast my other radio show, I broadcast on an AM wavelength. And, it, and another, actually four different AM wavelengths to go out in different areas. When I'm on my FM station, I broadcast on my FM wavelength. Anybody on TV broadcasts on different forms of television wavelengths. Anybody on a CB or walkie-talkie broadcasts on individual forms of those wavelengths. Those signals are all independent wavelengths and many, many variables of independent wavelengths. A wavelength that does not have a broadcast signal on it is straight noise. Now, in the community of the audio world, we call this white noise. A white noise means a variable that doesn't have anything but static sound involved. So 
the original science when you were talking about audio engineering was when we found a signal that should not be broadcasting anything in between all of the other signals that had white noise on it, and bam, we got communication. Somebody that was saying, hello, I'm here. Hello, are you there? They seem to be responding intelligently. And by the way, just so everybody understands this in real clarity, that was very, very, very rare. Now, we added this on to electronic voice phenomenon when Radon and several other people jumped in and realized that when you were recording sound in a room, for some reason, there were other things coming on in the room. For instance, as you're noticing, I left a television on in the background. If I turn this up, when you're hearing the broadcast, you're actually hearing the television in the background. And I'm going to pause for a moment so that you can hear this. Now I'm going to turn that back down. You may not have heard it very well. There are also numerous other sounds that are in the background of every audio situation. Throughout the years, we've learned how to isolate those, turn those off, readjust those, and so forth through mixing boards and otherwise. But originally, what we also noticed is if we eliminated most of the sounds in the room, like you're seeing now, except for my voice, for some reason, every now and then, you would hear a secondary audio signal that would come in for no reason that would be communicating with you. We had no idea why, we had no idea where, and we still have no idea, to be honest, outside of theory and solution. Now, people start using spirit boxes, adverb wave boxes, they start amplifying things and broadcasting them back through speakers and so forth, and they say, oh, look, something's communicating back. <clears throat> now, I'm going to give you the reality from audio engineering so that everybody understands this in a little bit more detail. You're not getting communication. You may think you're getting communication because you're taking the random signals and you're going, well, they're responding back and it seems logical. Now, if you believe that, I do encourage you to go to my seminars, both this summer, next summer, and the summer after. I do them at many universities. I'm going to start doing them at, at conventions as well. And I'm going to prove to you you're wrong. Because when your variable audio signals start bouncing back and forth, you are going to get logical responses and think you're communicating. What happens after that is pareidolia sets in and you think you're actually speaking to a ghost. The answer is you're not. And if you ever question that, take four spirit boxes and put them in a room. Set all four spirit boxes off and ask that ghost to move from one to the other. It's not going to happen. I can tell you that right now. This is what I know from actual audio engineering and real paranormal study. This is what we really do. Now, am I downtreading any of you that are out there? The answer is no. There are certain applications that have caused responses that cannot be explainable. I can tell you that because I've worked on some and I've tested some for the past six and a half years now, four of which I've tested very thoroughly within the past two and a half years. Thanks to Brian, if he's listening, thanks to uh, my wonderful people that work with me on Unlocking the Unknown and several other people that have graciously given me applications for the phone that have different testing variables and some of them work very, very well. Most of them don't work on the same applications that you're using on audio adverb and so forth, but some of them do still work on the idealism of scanning through signals. Now, whether we're speaking to a ghost on that or not is a whole other subject. But the reality is when you're cycling through any radio signal or channel, you're not listening or not supposed to be listening to the responses that are out there. Contrary to the belief that everybody thinks today you're wrong. Do your research, read your books, look through your universities, get your education, and you'll find out what I'm saying. 
All of those random signals are not what you're looking for. You're looking for that one broadcast in between that should not have a signal in it the first place that is all standardized noise and you're hearing something in between. Now, I know that sounds crazy when you're just using a spirit box because they narrowed it all down. Let me tell you how we found that out. Well, if you look deeply, we had dozens of pieces of equipment sitting in a room, isolating each signal to figure out where things were going. Then we would go back to that signal that was supposed to have white noise in the, in the first place and study that signal over and over and over and over and over and over again, generally not getting a response at all. But every now and then something would bleed in. Now, EVP, recorders, we still couldn't explain that. Where is that extra sound coming from? Now, there's a lot of theories I could get into on that tonight, and I'll get into a couple of them. But here's the reality of what you're looking at here. This is just another sound variable, so it could be many, many different things. So how do we isolate it to make sure it's gone? Well, you put it in a Faraday cage that isolates virtually every signal from coming in and out. You see if you still get the communication. The answer is yes, you will still get the communication, and yes, it will scare the piss out of you. <laughs> uh, can we explain that? No. Recent scientists have dove into audio signal, much like every energy and variable signal that's out there. So let's talk about that a little bit. <clears throat> and as I'm coughing, I apologize a little bit. Here's what you run into. When you're dealing with audio signals, and video signals and voice ver adverb signal because audio is also me talking right now. Audio is also all of you talking. Audio is also every noise going on everywhere. What happens is that audio keeps going outward, bounces off, comes back, bounces off again, eventually starts to dissipate. And over long distances of time, space, and so forth, it eventually dissolves into something new and starts the process over again. This is how signal and energy works. So, theoretically speaking, what we could be hearing may not even be a ghost. It could have been somebody that was dead 30 years ago, but they weren't dead when they said hello. It could have been a portion of a signal that was gone long ago. It could be many, many things that nobody ever anticipates. They just keep going back to the word, it's a ghost. Now, what am I getting at here in the first part of this? What I'm getting at here is, to be frankly upfront with you, though I love the community, I have a lot of fun in the community, I enjoy everything, and I'll continue to enjoy that. Guys, here's the reality. You're arguing left and right over who's right and wrong, and Absolutely none of you pay attention to the history and what really has been proven already to understand that most of the time, all of you are wrong. There's a handful of you that are not around the right track, but the community argues entirely too much instead of working together to realize, to look at the research, to understand what's already been done before, what can be done over top of that, and start working on real theory. Here's the reality. Did you know? That in 1981, all of a sudden, people stopped looking for what is, and everything became a ghost. Now, I pause for a minute for you to think about that. How many of you can actually define a ghost as real? The answer is none of you. How many of you? 
can physically say, yes, it's a ghost? The answer is none of you. Now, we have superstition and belief, including myself, that believes, yes, we have to go somewhere else and we have to listen a little bit. And we have to think, you know what? Let's believe we do go somewhere else. There is something besides this. And all of that is okay. All of that is a part of the process. I myself believe that as well. But the biggest controversy in the paranormal right now is everybody's saying, well, you can't have definitive proof. You can't have proof. Proof, 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 proof. You know why? Nobody's ever proven through thinking about it what a ghost is in the first place. You have to rule out all of the 99.9% variables that are not to come up with the 1% that's left. This is the way real science and study works, by the way, everybody. Just so that you're aware, it's a trial and error process where you make a thousand, maybe even a billion mistakes, and then all of a sudden you stumble on the last part of it and you go, ha whoops, there it is. And bam, we have a cell phone. Bam, we have the internet. Bam, we had fire. <laughs> this is the way it really works, just so that everybody is aware. Right now, the paranormal community has lost its way in a lot of ways that I talk about on a regular basis because we don't have the proper education in place for people to understand you're not alone. It's, had, it's been done before, and we can work together. A part of that is understanding that there are professionals in universities and out in the field that have been out there for over 43 years, some of them, to be frankly honest, longer, some of them at least 25 years. And they all, odds are, answered your questions already. And I want you to think about that a little bit. The reason I'm pausing again, and, you know, again, callers, you're welcome to come in because these are just my opinions, but they are true opinions, so you can give yours as well. It's an open show. You'll find out I'm easy to get along with. I love the community. I love the people. I take in every opinion. I learn from every opinion. But here's the reality of situations. I want everybody out there that's listening to ask yourself if you're an investigator, how long have you really been doing this? When you began, what made you begin? Now I'm going to tell you. Here's the reality of this situation. 90% of you or above grew up with a show called Ghost Hunters. Now, I'm not going to downtrack Ghost Hunters just so that you know Jason Hawes is a wonderful man. Never met him in person. He has been very kind to message me a couple of times during some troubled times. Grant Wilson, I've had the privilege of meeting two or three times. Really nice person. And everybody on the cast of Ghost Hunters are great people. They founded another source of media that was very rarely talked about in public until their show showed up and a handful of other shows. When their show showed up, they tried to do a scientific approach. They brought in new gadgets. They brought in a lot of wonderful stuff. They put together awesome media. And guess what? You woke up one day and you said, you know what? I've always wanted to do that. So you did it yourself. Locations opened up. If it wasn't for ghost hunters, and these few other shows like Ghost Adventures, 
I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, don't mention Ghost Adventures. I don't like Zach, blah, 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 blah. But here's the deal with Zach, just so that everybody knows. Again, I'm not going to downtrade him. I'm not going to downtrade Nick Groff. I'm not going to downtrade anyone. First off, just so you know, Nick Groff's a wonderful guy. Never met him in person, but I have talked to him a few times on Messenger. He lost a show recently, but he's got a great heart. Happy birthday, by the way, Nick. Everybody that gets a chance, go to Nick Groff's Facebook page. Wish him a very happy birthday. Today was his birthday. Congratulations on that. And the other thing about Zach is you may not like him, but here's the reality. And I get why you don't like him, everybody, because, well, he does come off in many, many different ways. and He does do a show a very specific way. And some of those ways are entertainment. But let's be honest, he's making a lot of money for a reason. He's good at what he does. <laughs> so give him the respect he deserves for that. If you're a true investigator, the truth is, honestly, if you're in paranormal study like myself and you actually dig in and you, you're interested in the research and not the fame and you're interested in all the other stuff, then to be frankly honest with you, it doesn't really matter to you whether somebody on a TV show fakes it or breaks it. It really doesn't matter whether you do something different that you know is not accurate. You know why? It's TV, guys. Of course, they're not going to tell you the whole story. It's just the way it works. If you watch this recent uh, show, Project Blue Book, and on the History Channel, you'll understand what I'm saying. It's great entertainment. The actors were wonderful in it. Awesome storylines. But did they, did they get it right? If you actually dig, dig into your research, if you actually talk to anybody that was a part of Project Blue Book, the answer is no. Nah, they dramatized a lot of things. That's just the way media works. So getting back to the topic. You got interested because you watched a TV show. Hey, I get that. Actors get interested in acting because they watch theater or TV show. Ballerinas get interested in ballet because they watched a ballet show. Musicians get interested in music because they have a favorite musician and they want to do something about it. This is the way the world works. Now, as you grew up through this, you did not have teachers. There are several reasons for that, just so that you're aware. Originally, paranormal study was taught in colleges. There were teachers that did it. There was a group and community that were more than gladly able to teach you in the theological version of it um, as well. So you had a combination of real scientists and real theologians that were working together that were fascinated with those things you couldn't explain. In 1981 through 1983, most parapsychology, as they called it, was removed from the educational statuses. There was a reason behind that. Parapsychology covered many, many things in many, many different degree sorts, and there was no way to train in it. It was just impossible because you're talking about over 400 things combined into one little thing so that you could get a degree. Reality is you were never going to get a full degree in it. You were going to become a college professor somewhere along the line that you could teach, but it was going to take you hundreds of years to get all the information. So they removed that because it's all theoretical science involved from the other credited sources. The, the, the thought behind this in the educational system was go ahead and let them continue those studies, but there's no reason for us to teach in that study because it seems like everybody else is venturing off into these particular areas anyway and working together. So what happened was you ended up with a blank zone, and that blank zone continued until Ghost Hunters came up. 
So the average person working an average job saw it and said, you know what? I've always been fascinated with ghosts in the paranormal community. I feel like I have some gifts myself. I want to go out and do this. They went out and bought the cameras. They put together the YouTube channels, and they developed their own community asset during this period in time. Other TV shows came up. I get that whole thing. I really do, and I respect each and every one of you for doing it. But again, I want you to think about this. How long have you really been in the paranormal? Now, my fascination started when I was nine years old, seven years old, actually. By the time I was 16 years old, I was researching most of the books. By the time I was 18 years old, I was actually contacting universities and asking their questions. By the time I was 21 years old, I was sitting in on college courses and I was sitting on a, in on virtually everything just so that you guys know. I went to MUFON conferences and actually talked to physical uh, quantum physicists, um, researchers of the stars and solar and space. Um, I had the great privilege of talking to scientists that work with NASA. I've had the great privilege of talking to famous zoologists during this period in time. I picked every brain I could my whole life, and I still do. This also includes famous theologians, the Roman Catholic Church which it took me years to get into and so forth. And I still don't know everything just so that you guys are aware. I'm never going to know everything. It's impossible. Um, but how many of you did that? How many of you have actually physically dug in and realized that there are over roughly, and this is without looking at my research, just so that all of you know, uh, 23,197 paranormal studies across the United States, Europe, Africa, and Northern America. 23,000 physical studies listed from the 1900s to roughly about last year. Now, if 23,000 studies can go during that period of time, you have to ask yourself, is what I'm doing not, has what I'm doing not been done before? Should I not be able to find this and look for it if I dig my head into the books, into the research, into everything? And I'm going to tell you it's there. You just got to dig, just like I did, and find out whether this has been done before so that I can find out if I'm even on the right track. And if I'm not, I can get the answers to be on the right track so that I can advance my equipment properly, advance my study properly, and learn what to do. I gave a quote throughout the past year, and most people. Outside of an investigation that I'm doing with OPIT, which is a local team here, which I'm going to get my hands on a little bit more on, are going to see something on me when you're out on investigations. It's actually quite funny. And this is going to show you the difference between a paranormal researcher and real paranormal scientist in the studies and a ghost investigator. Most of you go out there with your gadgets and your recorders and everything else, and you're going to sit there and you're going to go into each room. You're going to try to communicate with the ghost. You're going to sit your room pods up. You're going to try to communicate with the ghost. You're going to sit your spirit boxes up. You're going to try to communicate with the ghost. And the whole time you're doing all of that, I'm setting up cameras, at least four cameras in each area of each room. I'm setting up audio mics and different variables from, different, from high to low in each area in each room. I'm setting up ground rods to determine the weather. The actual temperature of the ground, sound variables in the ground. I'm setting up weather analysis if I can get a hold of it. 
on the top or the edges of a roof or an area where I can monitor the weather signals and everything else that's going on. And I'm sitting with four to five monitors in a control room, never getting out of my seat for 12 hours on an investigation. Now, every time that you see me doing that, you're going to be coming back and going, well, aren't you going to get out there? No. Well, why not? Because I have everything I need right here. The reality is my job is boring. I'm going to tell you very upfront. It is a whole heck of a lot more fun to go out there with your buddies and laugh and get some really cool stuff out in the middle of the air. And you will get every now and then something that says hello or so forth. You have no idea where it came from and you're going to go, oh, crap. Or to watch the spirit box and the lights light up and get a little bit of a shock because you're in a scary building at night with the lights off. All you have is your night vision camera and a flashlight, and you turn the flashlight off so that the cameras work. That's a blast. Sitting behind a, a computer, watching a bunch of lines go up and down and up and down and up and down, and a lot of numbers pop up on a screen with different variables while you're recording it to see what's going on. To most of you, that would be incredibly boring. To me, it's fascinating, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually tell you why. Every time you jump out of your pants, the seat of your pants, and think that you just crapped yourself, I've got data to either support that or not in one way, variable, or form. Every time you think you heard something and you put it down on paper, I've got all the data I need to confirm whether you did or not. This is the way real science works. This is the way the real paranormal works and so forth. And ironically, when this was done from 1972, a little earlier than that, actually. A lot of this was started in the early 1920s, but we didn't have a lot of stuff. By 1960 to 1981, we had a lot of earlier forms of setting up cameras, monitoring, audio system monitoring. We could bring basic full computers into the home. We could test a lot of different things. A lot of that was actually physically done, and it got lost in the mix so that people could run around with a night vision camera and hunt for ghosts. I know this is a lot of controversial things that everybody's listening to, but this does need to be something that everybody talks about and understands quite clearly. Because the reality is all of the debates, everything I've been watching, everything that I've been reading, everything I haven't responded to in over seven and a half months, while people are going, is Generation Truth gone? Is Chris gone? Is PTR gone? Is this gone? Is this gone? Is this gone? Uh, everything that they've been doing. Um, I have been sitting here kind of shaking my head and going, okay, so it's time for people to speak out about what the real paranormal community is about. Now, a lot of us old farts, and I'm the youngest one of the old farts, any old farts listening, you're going to laugh, uh, that's been in the UFO world, that's been in the actual cryptozoology world, that's been in the actual ghost hunting world, that's been in the actual geology world, the archaeology world, and so forth. And there's a lot of you out there, which, by the way, are amazing people. I love picking your brain. Many of you have been on my show. Some of you have not been on my show, but I pick your brain all the time over Facebook because you have your own television shows on Gaia and half a dozen other things um, are amazing people. But the reason that we kind of sit around and shake our head a lot of times is because we all know the same thing. And that is you're all on the wrong track. There's no way to prove a ghost exists or a connection with UFO is there. Or even if a, it, even to be frankly honest with you, if there's a Lincoln Bigfoot or any cryptozoology area, 
until you start looking at what's been done before and you open your minds to that and start advancing from there. That was the original concept of ancient aliens, by the way, even though some people tear it down, was to open your mind to the concepts of reality from different ways of thinking. And the only way you can truly do that is to just dive straight in, guys, because it's a fascinating world. If you ever get a chance to talk to an archaeologist, they're wonderful. Now, if you talk to an archaeologist about the paranormal, you get their eyes rolling. Because they assume you're going to link it to something silly or nonsense. But if you talk to an archaeologist about the unexplained, all of a sudden they'll open up and go, let me tell you about this. Have you ever studied the hieroglyphs over here? Because they're amazing and they leave a bunch of open doors. Let me talk about this. Have you ever worked over here and you notice the absolute perfect spherical designs? It's amazing and we can't still explain it. Let me tell you about this. The unexplained is what the paranormal is. If you ever sit down and talk to an actual ufologist that has some sort of background, and we've had one recently on here. Stephen, I encourage you to listen to Stephen Hudgens. We've got, we've got two interviews with him, and I'm sure he'll come back on before because he's an amazing guy. If you actually get a chance to talk to real scientists or real people who have been ufologists for years, they begin to shake their head at the community because it's all wrong again. You do know that you can't actually say a UFO exists by going on harebrained theories, right? How do you determine whether a UFO exists? You open your mind to debunking what's already out there. The moment you debunk your mind to what's already out there and you start looking into the documentation and you start digging deep into what's released and you start digging deep into the other variables and you start getting your throat cut a few times by saying it's national security, shut your mouth and go away. And I assure you, you will, because I have myself. Um, you start realizing, OK, something's not right here. When you dig a little bit deeper, you start finding answers that are variables on a few things, like some of these may be government projects, some of these may be other things. But you start opening a slight door to the realization that there might just be something that is alien that has occurred, as well as something that was created by the government. You start throwing away a lot of these harebrained theories, and another few theories of logic start coming in, because you start seeing the reality that, to be frankly honest with you, yes, there are some things the government doesn't tell us, and some of that is yes. They are a little bit further along in certain areas than they like to discuss. Now, does that mean they've, they've got a Mars base or a Jupiter base or a moon base? Well, you know what, guys, I can't really tell you that, so don't take that wrong either. But there are things that they don't tell us, and you do stumble across some of those things eventually. The only way to do that is to logically explain off the rest of it to find the loopholes and the other things and realize that there's more going on. If you do that in zoology, you run into the same thing. Cryptozoology, a lot of people like to look at it and go, well, it's just a bunch of nonsense. No, it's not a bunch of nonsense when you start getting past the nonsense. Now, what do I mean by that? The common individual thinks that a cryptozoologist and a Freudian consistently looks at Bigfoot, Mothman, and Simulant. The answer is they do not. Though a few Freudians like to play around with it from time to time, they go deeper than that. 
when you link actual physical zoologists and Freudians together, they go even deeper than that, talking about lost species, species that may have been uh, may still be around that we haven't figured out yet, and so forth. This is how we found the great white ape. This is how we found, believe it or not, the Gila dragon, which was believed to be extinct and non-existent for years, and then somebody ran across him. This is also how we self-determined that others' particular things could have physically existed in one way, shape, or form. Um, so this is how it all works in reality. The reason that I discuss that a lot of times with you is because I want everybody to understand what's going on. The paranormal goes so much deeper than what everybody gives it credit for today. And there are so many fascinating people out there when you dig in incredibly deep, including the theological and metaphysical, which goes beyond the scientific. So this actually plays forms in other areas. Let's talk about an example of that before I go through advertisements for the night. Did you know? And let's just be honest, the answer is going to be no. Most of you didn't. Did you know that when you spend time actually speaking to a Buddhist priest, that you're going to find some fascinating things about how they have insight. Amazing. You're also going to find that they actually channel energy, energy from around them, the earth and so forth, to do these amazing feats. And they're very open about it. And they are amazing feats. Did you know that when you speak to the American Indians, truly dive into their culture and truly talk to a shaman, a lot of the same things still apply and open up more doors to the paranormal. Did you know that many cultures are the same way that dive a little bit deeper into the metaphysical and things that we've left behind? And most of those are fascinating. But the answer is, nah, you didn't because you're stuck on sitting around with a handful of crystals talking about more modern belief. Instead of talking about why they're there. Now, when I say this, everybody, I want you to understand that rocks and crystals are very special to certain people. And they go down in the history all the way up to the Celtic tribes, which originally used them for healing purposes and so forth. And some of them do have healing purposes. People believe that there are energies involved and so forth that revolve around those cultures for centuries. I'm not tearing that down in any way, shape or form. What I'm telling you is. Before you dive into the la-la-la, frou-frou-frou hippiness, you should actually dive into those cultures to understand that. And once you do, you find a phenomenal place. People misunderstand terms like paganism. People misunderstand terms from other, other belief systems. And they assume it's evil or it's terrible or it's awful because they didn't take the time to dive into the cultures. Now, I'm not in any way touching base on any religious belief. I myself have my own religious beliefs. There are certain things that I would not do and would do. But point being here, you don't know squat if you don't spend the time understanding the history and diving in and talking to these people and spending time with these people and these real cultures. And then you start understanding, you know what, I get it a little bit more. I understand that sage was not designed to throw out some spirit from a home. I understand that words and symbols may not be for what I think they are. 
I understand that blessings do not mean that I'm going to remove evil spirits. Because here's the fact, guys, they don't mean any of that. I know a lot of you are going to contradict this, and I apologize if I anger anybody. But the community does need a little bit of an eye opener. The reality is sage was used early on in the burning of bodies to allow passing from one area to the next and to mask death because it stinks. From that, it adapted in culture so that they could use it for blessings and rituals in order to encourage positive notion in crops and rebirths and so forth. That's what it was really used for. Nothing else. Blessings are the same way. You do not go into a home to bless the home to remove evil spirits, demons, and so forth. It's not what it's there for, guys. A blessing in a home was used the same way that ritual was. It was designed to put positive notion into a home. You just moved into a home. Well, let's bless the home. That means let's let let's give you positive thinking and positive things into the home before you go, and hopefully everything positive will go. Gee, we had a bad crop. Everything died. Well, must be evil. Okay, let's bless it. Hopefully it won't happen next year. This is what all of these were created for in early society. We've just forgotten a lot of that. And when you forget that, you start applying it through nonsense. And I know that sounds blunt, but that's the truth. 99.9% of the paranormal community today has developed their own belief system. They've developed their own theoretical religion. They haven't actually got into the reality of what the paranormal really is. And until you get past that and you start understanding the reason we don't have these answers is because they were forgotten and people chose not to listen, you're not going to get much further. We as scientists and we as discoverers and we as archaeologists and so forth, we're going to get further. And every now and then you're going to see an article you want to complain about, but you're not going to get further because it goes way past that. And that, that includes understanding from every level, every religion, every belief, and removing yourself so that you can actually educate yourself in order to do so. So let's think about this the next time you're out there. Let's think about this the next time you claim you have 33 years of experience. Let's think about this before you think after five years you know more than somebody that's been there for 45. Because the reality is if you do, you're going to realize how silly you are. Let's dive into uh, advertising. You're listening to BBS Radio. BBS Radio is one of the largest digital radio stations here in the, in the United States. I do encourage you, if you're going to go with the best, go with BBS. A couple of simple things out here, just so that you are aware. A friend of mine that actually does the world's largest ghost hunt has created a website. Her website is actually very astounding. It's called Haunted Journeys. Haunted Journeys is still building, but it does cover hotels, ghost tours, haunted events. It's got blogs on there from national news and so forth. It's got a lot of amazing things on it, so I do encourage you to go to it. It's hauntedjourneys.com. 
And other news, Ohio State Reformatory will be having their Paris PsychCon March 5th, 6th, and 7th. As I advertised earlier, WCGT Radio will be there. We'll be presenting BBS Radio on Friday night at Ohio State Reformatory. Hopefully we're going to be able to get a couple of stars to just jump in and say hi. I do encourage you to come to that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Paranormal Journeys into the Unknown launches their new series, Truth and Legends. Truth and Legends is actually filming. Rebecca Schmuck and several other people have begun their filming on that. When it comes out in 2020, give it a look. I know there's some controversial things running around the community about Paranormal Journeys into the Unknown, but the reality is, hey, you know what? They have had a TV show on, and it has been there on Amazon for over four years, technically, once these last two years come out. So... Why not give it a look? Again, we're talking on Paranormal Truth and Reality. This is kind of an update on situations, news, and more. Just a kind of open talk. I like to do it at least once or twice a year. I do encourage callers to call in. If you haven't had a chance to call in, you're more than welcome to here in the last five or ten minutes or so. Our new guest announcements will be coming up here in the next few weeks. I'm changing a little bit of style this year just so that you know. I have some young film producers that work in horror and paranormal that are going to be coming on and talking about their films and their paranormal experiences. I have a few later on this year that are well-known television stars that may just be fascinated in one shape or form of the paranormal, science fiction or otherwise, and they're going to come in and they're going to share a few of their actual idealisms. We're going to be out on locations at, com uh, at uh, Comic-Cons, um, Paracons. I do believe I have a horror fest or two. And we're going to be broadcasting BBS Radio live from those locations when we're out there on the weekends. So that's going to be kind of a new individual format. And we're going to expand paranormal truth and reality a little bit to kind of get into a lot of other things, including, of course, the obvious that we've done in the past with our paranormal investigators, our scientists, our theologians across the United States of America and across the world and so forth. So make sure that you tune in and you take a good look at that. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, outside of that. I'm just going to spend a little bit of time here talking about um, one more slight reality, just so that everybody knows. I had a unique conversation this past week and a half with a very delightful girl. And she's fascinating, but she got caught up into a situation where drama, society, and the world, when you're on social media, has caused a lot of issues. So she kind of went along her way a little bit, but she's a wonderful, wonderful lady. Um, though she doesn't know it, I've watched her many, many times on YouTube, spent some time watching her in several other areas. I've only met her once, but delightful lady. I won't mention her name. She recently separated with the team, and of course, we all gave her positive encouragement. You are welcome to look at my Facebook page, and you'll catch on who she is, along with many other people, because I advertise all the local presses and so forth. But um, just in slight notion, just so that everybody knows, social media, guys, is not the beginning and the end of the world. And what I mean by this is social media itself has created what I like to call the very first undiagnosed psychological disease. We have forgotten that there is more out there than our telephone and our computer. We have forgotten what human emotion means. We think it's easy in a moment to just go defriend, 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 defriend. We think we can get rude and violent with people, and that's okay. We put messages up and cause dramatic situations that are unnecessary and unneeded. And these are all things you would not do in person. 
And do you know why you wouldn't do those in person? Because somebody like me does have an Egan ball bat. And we all know it. So why are you doing that now? Because it's the world's largest undiagnosed social disease. That's why. The reality is, when you walk away from your computer, you could write out 20,000 hate groups right now that hate me. And you know what? I don't care. I got a real life. A computer, a screen, a phone, and so forth can be wonderful to connect people, but it can also be very tragic. So before you self-judge people and cause a lot of drama both in and out of teams and relationships and so forth unneeded, think about your actions when you type out words. Because here's what people don't understand. If every person, and I challenge you to do this at the end of this before we start going into our closing statements, I challenge every person in the paranormal community, rather than try to do one thing negative this week or next week or the week after, for the next month, once a day, rather than go, oh, my God, there's another one. I'm going to gripe about this. Click, 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 type, 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 type. Put in something positive. Say something good. Encourage somebody properly. And see what happens. You know, we can turn this around, both in life, both in politics, and both in the paranormal. All you have to do is understand we're all human beings. And all it takes is understanding. Even when you disagree. You've been listening to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm your host, Christopher Houston. I'm going to close this the way I do every single week, and that is in the paranormal. Truth should always be that reality. Any of you listening tonight that are not average listeners just got slapped with a hard reality on multiple, multiple situations. You got slapped with the truth that needs to be spoken. You got slapped with some things that might get you angry, and that's okay. Because personal opinion, everybody's allowed to have, and I respect that. You got slapped with a lot of truths that you may not know exactly what you think you know. And your first reaction is going to be, I'm going to attack him because he doesn't know. And the answer is, no, you're not, because I don't care. Listen to what I have to say tonight. Give me your opinions. I'll respect those, and maybe both of us will learn together. But in the paranormal, the real reality is what you make of it if you don't get lost. And most of the community today is lost. So pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and start looking into what we started with in the first place, and your answers will come. That's your show. Enjoy your weekend. Come and see me at Ohio State Reformatory, and we'll talk to you next week.